Thanks so much for tuning in today to the Leesburg Daily, a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday podcast, at least through the summer, where we dive into scripture study together and we apply it to our lives. Today we pick up in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, and if you recall, we ended last week and we'd been talking about elders and overseers. We were talking about church politics, as crazy of a word as that is. But that's what we're talking about. We're talking about church leadership. Maybe not politics, but leadership. The, the types of people who are called to be leaders. And we're talking about this largely, I believe, because this is an issue that Paul and Timothy have dealt with. If you remember back in chapter 1, uh, there were two people mentioned that were excommunicated, that they may learn not to blaspheme. I believe that those people were elders within the church. And so Paul is writing Timothy and coaching him as how to move forward now that this transition has happened. What types of men and perhaps women do I put into leadership positions? Well, he started off and he talked about overseers, elders. And he says, These are, this is a man's role. Uh, it's a man's role because, uh, because of God's ordained structure of things. And today we pick up and we start in verse 8 where he talks about deacons. Deacons. What types of people serve then as, as deep deacons? Well, the deacons, let's start off and, and remind ourselves where we first hear of deacons. The earliest picture of deacons that we have is found in Acts chapter 6. Their function there in Acts chapter 6 was a temporary function to deal with a pressing problem. There were women there who were uh, being overlooked in the daily distribution. And so Acts 6, uh, we see that seven people are appointed to this role of deacon. They had a job to do, and their job was to fill, uh, to, 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 to deal with that problem that, was, that, had, that had come up. They wanted, they needed, their job was to make sure that these women got the food needed. That's the first time we see the role of deacon played out. Uh, here, Paul describes this role in much uh, larger territory. Now, now the distinction, I, I suppose, between an overseer and a deacon is that an overseer uh, generally has, um, well, he's overseeing much. The whole area, the whole philosophy of ministry, the, the uh, what's happening within the church, uh, not just big uh, or not just little details, but large picture. Um, they are responsible for the large scale decisions that are made. A deacon, however, um, is much more like Act 6, pinpointed in their scope of responsibility. Uh, they are specialists, uh, if, if you will. Look at verse 8. A deacon, likewise, must be men of dignity, not double-tongued, or addicted to too much wine, or, or fond of uh, dishonest gain. Uh, so, so let's think here. Deacons must be men of dignity. Well, must a man be, must uh, d- deacons be men? Is that also a male role? Now, I, I would say no. Uh, now, why can I so quickly say no? Well, here in just a few verses, in verse 11, he will talk about women. Uh, and I, I believe that is talking about women deacons. Um, and, and there's more to be said about that when we get there. 
but they must be men of dignity. Let's just say for the sake of argument right now, they must be people of dignity. Not double-tongued, not two-faced, not politicians, if you will. Not addicted to much wine or fond of dishonest gain. I mean, those are those are uh, well, understandable qualities. Again, are these high qualities? Well, no. These aren't high qualities. These aren't special. Like, oh, we got to look really hard to find people like this. And instead, these are very low, low-hanging fruit. <laughs> uh, these are very common things, or should be very common things. But they make a big impact. We we must not have people like this in leadership. Verse nine, holding to, but instead they need to be holding to the mystery of the of the faith with a clear conscience. This is a really cool phrase: the mystery of the faith. This is terminology that Paul uses throughout many of his letters. In the word mystery, there generally means uh, it's mysterion. Um, it's common for Paul to use that expression when talking about. Uh, not what is beyond knowledge. See the things that are beyond knowledge. The the term the Gnostics they used to Gnostic means uh, special revelation or special knowledge. They said we have knowledge beyond knowledge. Paul uses this term not in that same way. He uses this term in a way to allude to what was previously concealed, but has now been revealed. So in Paul's usage of the term here, he says, look, you need to hold fast to the faith, the mystery of faith, with a clear conscience. Well, what's that mystery of the faith? Well, it's the mystery of Jesus, of his life and his death and his burial and his resurrection, and the fact that he was God in the flesh. Those things were previously concealed, but with the resurrection of Christ, they have been made revealed. And as we talked about this past weekend, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And so he sent his disciples and you and I into this world to make disciples, pointing them to God, teaching to uh, obey all that he had commanded. Hold fast to the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. Where are we? Uh, verse 10. Uh, these men must also uh, first be tested. Let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. So, so what's it mean to test a deacon? The testing, which is mentioned here, uh, should not be understood as an examination, uh, but but rather we should understand it as um, examining the people to see if they have those um, have those qualities that have been talked about. Uh, we're not talking about a, a term of probation. I've heard some people say, well, you got to serve probation as a deacon. No, no, no. This isn't a test over time. This isn't, um, this is a test to see if they have these types of qualities. Not, not a written test or an oral, oral test, but, in, but instead, uh, do these people have, examine these people? Do they have these qualities present? Are they double-tongued? Are they addicted to too much wine? Are they fond of dishonest gain? Do they hold fast to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience? It tests them. In other words, this is not a, a, a job, a role for just anyone. Those who are weak in their faith, those who are young in their faith, perhaps should not be in a role like this. If they pass, and that's my word, not Paul's, 
But if they're found to be trustworthy in those ways, if they are people of that type of character, not exhaustive lists of, well, they must check off the box, but that type of person, if, they're all, if they are that person, then let them serve if they're above reproach. And then verse 11, he transitions as women likewise, must likewise, well, women who? Now, some people would say, well, this is referring to the wives of deacons. Uh, interesting, uh, because it doesn't really talk about the wives of elders. And so why would that be the wives of deacons? Why would that be limited in such a uh, big way? You would think that the wives of an elder would carry much more weight than the wife of a deacon, and it would have responsibility placed on her, but we don't see that here. Instead, he transitions, women must likewise be dignified, be dignified. Not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. These women, I think he's referring to female deacons here. Well, why is that? Is that ever done? Yeah, it's it's absolutely done. In fact, Paul calls Phoebe in Romans 16 a deaconess. There are deaconesses throughout Scripture, and I think this is referring to women deacons. They must be dignified, not malicious gossips. Malicious gossips but temperate and faithful in all things. This type of a woman. Deacons must be the husbands of only one wife. Well, now we switch back. And he's talking about deacons, the husbands of the husband of one wife. Good managers of their children and their own households. So deacons must be a monogamous person. They should be good managers of their children. That's the same. That's actually the same qualification that was given to the elders earlier, but in this situation, uh, there's a different uh, four. There's a different reason behind managing your household well. In the in the fact of the elders, in verse four, he must be the one who manages his his, out, his own household well, keeping his children under control with dignity. But if a man doesn't know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? That's the reason. The reason is if you can't manage your household, how will you manage God's people? But here in verse 13, I'm sorry, verse uh, 12, deacons are given a different reason. They're given the same command, be good managers of their children and their households. But the reason is different. Verse 13, for those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves the highest standing in great confidence in the faith that is. I'm sorry, let me read that again. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. So what in the world is he talking about here? What, what, what's this reasoning? Well, those who served well obtain for themselves a high standing. Well, how should we understand that? The word standing there means a step. And it's taken, in, in some cases, some people say, well, this is a step to a higher, a promotion to a higher office. So if you uh, uh, manage your household well and are good uh, managers of your children, uh, then you might be promoted to elder one day. I think that is a absurd, <laughs> an absurd uh, belief. But I've heard that. I know that's taught in many churches today. I think that is absolutely abs- absurd. Well, so so you can obtain the, another possibility so that they can obtain for themselves a high standing and greater influence. Um, standing or, or vantage point uh, 
or vantage ground, perhaps, is re- relating to the influence of uh, the influence that's gained by the Christian community. So, as people see you serving well, serving faithfully, leading your household faithfully, they lean into your leadership more and more. And, and I think that has uh, a lot of uh, uh, well, a lot of the reasoning here. As you lead well, as you serve well, you gain influence within the Christian community. And, and the purpose is not to gain influence, but but we understand that our influence makes a big difference. I guess a third possibility is that the, the gain of the standing is uh, is. Uh, standing in this in the sight of God for those who have served well as deacons obtained for themselves a high standing well a high standing if it's not a, a, about the people then it must be with uh, in, in the sight of God well the third possibility can't be ruled out because of the concluding phrase here great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus it's linked to that standing. And, and so, uh, they're objects of, of the same solution. So, boldness seems primarily towards man. Though it could include the notion of boldness and approach to God. Work hard because you will obtain boldness in reference to other people or insights or influence with other people, but also... It speaks to your the strength of your faith in God. The expression in their faith in Christ Jesus uh, has a, a lot that could be discussed. Some object to this phrase, uh, the application of this phrase in, in, in this, and they say, well, this, this is kind of a weird saying, but, but consider it. Great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. What Paul's doing here, and forgive me, my, my computer's messing up a little bit. I hope this is all going okay. Um, what Paul's doing here is he is describing the type of person who would serve as a deacon or perhaps deaconess within the church of God. The, the type of people, this isn't, of course, a exhaustive list, but the type of people who, who will gain in their respect from the church. As they live, as they serve faithfully, they will gain an influence within the community of God. Their faith in God will be strengthened. They'll receive a high standing and great confidence in the faith. Why? Because their faith is strengthening as Christ Jesus works through them. That's what this entire section is about. Verses 8 through 13 deal with deacons and, and I would say deaconesses. Uh, or at least deacons and their wives. However, the reason I don't think that fits well is because we don't talk about elders' wives here. So I think it's deacons and deaconesses that are talked about, that are servants within the church that are specialized, looking at a specific area that's the area that they serve, that they gain influence and, and credibility and insight from other people by serving faithfully in those roles. And so, again, 
much like this past weekend, the thrust here is on service. Now, now here's the thing. While there are deacons and deaconesses who are assigned, who are selected for service in specific areas, we should all understand that we all have the role of deaconing uh, in some areas. We all have the uh, the requirement to be servants in some area. And so perhaps as we start this week, uh, perhaps we should ask ourselves the question, where am I serving? Where do I serve? And where do I serve faithfully? That's where we'll stop today. We'll pick up Wednesday in verse 14. God bless. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to the Leesburg Daily.